1: Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' moves and non-moves at the deadline, plus what went wrong in a blowout loss to Edmonton.
0: Hello everybody. Recording live from somewhere.
1: what's good and welcome to another episode of skates and plates on the hockey podcast network i'm your host brandon Rowicki you can follow me on twitter at brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at skates plates pod all right let's get right to it here full disclosure i've been in a miserable mood pretty much all day long so i don't know how this is gonna go or if it's gonna go very well it might be entertaining um <laughs> I don't know how many people would have been in a great mood for most of the day anyways, but I, I have had mine amplified by a few different things. Um, the the latest actually being that my two-year-old daughter decided to viciously headbutt me, and I think my front tooth is a little bit loose. So that was like the, the cherry on top of what's been an awful, awful day. Um, Tyson Rewicki from CJOB joining us once again. How are things going, little brother?
0: They're going pretty awful too, older brother. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well you came to the right place this has been one of the worst days in a long time like actually like i, I was saying earlier like i don't think i've ever been this mad, like in a long time in my life yeah all you you lived a pretty you lived a pretty
1: <laughs> semi-charm life I, I i'll give you that but i i know a lot of what you're in in some of what I'm talking about is flyers related. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. Um, but th- things didn't start off very good for the Jets and it ended up pretty much as poorly, if not more poorly. And if if you're a believer in internet polls, I don't know how much stock you put into some of these, Tyson. Um, but Murata Tej of The Athletic put out a are you happy or unhappy poll on Twitter. After the Jets trade deadline work before the Edmonton Oilers game, eighty-five percent of Jets fans were unhappy. Believe it or not, Chalker. <laughs> with the Winnipeg Jets making just one move on the day, uh, before, you know, a, a couple of days after the Nino Niederreiter trade uh, with Nashville. So, I mean, plenty to get to in this episode here. Normally right after a game that's where we start off with things it's the freshest in everybody's mind but I I don't think we can do that I think we got to talk trade deadline first and then we will unfortunately I mean not even dissect because we everyone that watched the game saw what happened but we'll talk about the uh demolition that the Edmonton Oilers put on the Winnipeg Jets there but we got to talk trade deadline here first Tice and there's no doubt that Jets fans, I think, had their hopes set pretty high for the club to go out there and make a splash. And this was av- even after the addition of of Nino Niederreiter. Um, and and while the Mesnikov might be what you call a solid ad, a sneaky good ad, whatever you want to say, um, you know, no first round pick moved out, no prospects moved out, no roster players moved out, no big splash made really just tinkering around the edges to a degree for Kevin Chevalier off with this Winnipeg Jets squad. And for me, it's it, it just quite simply goes like this, Tyson. I, I was going to give the Jets the benefit of the doubt, or maybe not the benefit of the doubt. I was going to give them some patience after the Jacob Trickren return became public. I, I guess my thinking was, you know, maybe Chevy's got something cooking. He doesn't always go for the guy that's publicly available give this team and management group a few days to figure this thing out, and then we'll f- officially break it all down uh, after the deadline on Friday. And I guess my main question is just this, and I, I, I'm not happy. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I would be in that 85%. But my question would be this, Tyson, in regards to should the Winnipeg Jets have gone out and made a big move, a bigger move. If not now, then when the hell would a good time be? I mean, Chevy, more than I would say anybody in this province, has gone out there and supported this core and believed in them and put his faith in them, even when they didn't always pay it back for him. And you would think what you have a Vesna caliber goalie, a defenseman with a Norris caliber season, and then some high-end talent up front, combined with the insane uncertainty in the near future here in terms of what this group might look like in two seasons, that this would be the time to push your chips in and say, you know what? I do believe in these guys, and this is why we're going out there, and this is what we're going to do to make that happen. And we're, we're going to you know inject a a segment of, of electricity and energy in, into Canada Life Center and into this team, something that we haven't seen for a few years now. Like I, 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 To me, that seemed to be the path and the plan moving forward here. And if not now, then when is a move going to be made, right? like the, I, I just I don't understand what the plan is by this team. To me, they're going half in, half out. And when you go half in, half out, you end up looking like a complete ass. It just it doesn't work in pro sport. You can't have it both ways. And I think that's the spot the Jets have put themselves in here, where you make the move for Nino Niederreiter, which was a good trade. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong there. But you make the move there because you want to be a team that goes deep into the playoffs. But then you don't want to take a big step forward and really give this team a big time injection of talent that is desperately needed, especially on the back end, in my opinion, right? So it's one step in one step out. Oh, we'll take a little dab at Nemesnikov here, but again, we won't look to further improve our roster in other areas. We will not look to acquire a draft pick for a guy that's demanding to trade. Who isn't one of our six best defensemen, right? We're half in, we're half out here. I I just don't get it To, to me they had sold all season long, all off season that, you know, when moves weren't made, when additions weren't brought in, that we're going to bank cap space. And when the irons are hot, we'll strike at that point. Well, they had more than enough opportunities. They had more than enough cap space. And yet for all intents and purposes on deadline day, after seeing a number of other teams across the league, make big, big, big time moves. They sat on the hands and did nothing, and I just don't understand what the plan is moving forward other than hoping Connor Hellebuck loses his mind and has a Conn Smythe-type run to carry this team through the playoffs because they're not going to be going on a deep playoff run despite a couple of solid-to-good trades made by Kevin Shevelday off here. And I can totally understand why a fan base would be distressed, disappointed, upset, and frustrated that they don't get a chance to see a team that I still think even with as bad as they've played lately could have made some noise in a weak Western Conference with a big move or two these past couple of days.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. Like We've been sitting here for the past however many months praying, begging that a trade gets made, a move gets made to bolster this team. And we've even seen the past couple games, this game included, this decor is just not good enough. Like, it's not good enough to win a playoff round even, like let alone a Stanley Cup. And you're planning on going into this this postseason with, who's, he, who's your second best defenseman? Nate Schmidt right now? And even he's struggling? Like, I, it blows my mind the lack of, and we'll get to this a lot, too, because there was a lot of points in this presser that really, really bugged me. That really bugged me. But to say that this isn't NHL 23 or something, or this isn't fantasy hockey to this yeah. fan base, who's been supporting you over and over and over again, and to just kind of toss them aside and say, like, you guys don't know. You guys aren't in this. Like, I'm the GM. I know what I'm doing. And to just kind of throw away, uh, you're just completely ignoring what this fan base has been clamoring for. And if the fans can see the writings on the wall of some of these players, you don't think the players can. We heard from multiple players before leading up to the trade deadline that they wanted to additions made to this roster. What do you think about players who contracts are coming up? You think that they want to stick around with a management group who's not totally invested in them but is kind of invested in them and wants them to think that they're invested in them but yet shows no trust at all when it finally comes crunch time and that this is the time where you add especially in a weak western conference this year like they you make a couple solid moves and i think and i'm like we talked about it like and and Nemestikov, Nemestikov he's a solid player do you really think he's better than most of the guys in their bottom six right now do you think he's, he's like a sizable upgrade Oh, I mean, I I think he is, but
1: to me, that's not really the 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 issue. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it's it's not going out there and getting the top six forward. It's not going out there and getting a second pair guy, right? Like that. That's I I understand your point.
0: Yeah, and and I'm not even saying to go out there and get like, like, like a Bertuzzi or a or a Timo Meyer. Even if adding a guy like James Van Riemsdyk and people will think about his play in Toronto and call him soft he's been solid defensively this year and he adds an element that this team just completely lacks at the moment and that's a net front presence there is no one going to the front of the net there is just it's just clean shots on the point and just perimeter play all the time and like it's just it just blows my mind that this is just a wasted opportunity once again and you're and you're just disappointing the fan base. Like this is, that's really what it boils down to in my opinion is that this is just a fan base that has stuck by with the core. They've kept on buying into the same core that you've been selling year after year, after year promising that there's going to be something that's different every year. Yet it just keeps on happening, keeps on happening, keeps on happening. And you're coming to a boiling point in this off season where some of these guys are going to be gone and you might not get the return that you think you were going to get on some of these guys. After watching though what's been happening at the end of the season, like I I just don't know what's gonna happen this offseason, and I don't see how this team is honestly gonna be better next year than it is right now. Oh, I yeah, I don't think there's any
1: confusing anybody that this team is gonna be anywhere near as competitive today I, I just I I can't see that. You know, I mean we, we already know that one of these one of these guys has his foot out the door and has for, for about a year now, let alone what happens with I mean, a couple of franchise icons and, and Hellebuck and Shifley, right? And then, you know, throw Blake Wheeler in there too. I, the amount of turnover that I think is going to happen is going to be pretty immense here. But, and it's funny too, saying all this taste with how awful they played against Edmonton, with how bad they've been for a couple of weeks now. But like, even having said that with the issues that are on this team, I like I still think there's a good team in here. Like I, I think, I think this was a great. It, it's not like, it's not like Nashville all of a sudden saying, "Hey, we're gonna just go nuts and let let's trade picks and prospects to try to get in here." Like I, I don't, I know the Jets are in a wild card spot, but I think they're more talented than a lot of other wild card teams are out there right now. I mean, hell, Ottawa went out there and bought, and they were like six point seven points out of a playoff spot, right? Like, and 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 the other part of it too is, you know and you touched on it there, like, I, at no point were either of us saying, you know, trade a couple first-round picks and prospects for rentals and just go nuts and go for this year. No, it was, you know, get a guy like Chikrit, who's going to be young and with this team for two more seasons at least. Get, I mean, whatever you think, a, a Provorov, a Sanheim, um, a, any of these number of defensemen or or forwards even out there that have some term on their contracts, where it's, yeah, you give up some assets and things like that, but you get guys that are going to be here for a couple of seasons and you know what, whichever direction you want to go after that, you go that way. But even if you think that there's a big amount of change coming up this upcoming off season here, I, I, I just don't buy not going out there and making a splash. It, it, to me, it just, it doesn't make sense. It kind of makes this a complete wasted year. Yeah, Like if you were, if you had no plans on supplementing this team in a big way, and for the most part, like, you know, if we're taking a macro look at this, for the most part, the Jets outside of this last couple of weeks have kind of rewarded Chevy's patience with with their play. I mean, they've been near the top of the conference, top of the division for the majority of the season. Like, what more would you need to see as a GM than to go out there and make some big-time moves and help this team out, right? So if you, if you were never going to do that, then you rip the Band-Aid a year early and move some of these guys out, get... Uh, you know, a boatload of picks and stuff back in return. And you join the tanking teams in a year where Connor Bedard would be the ultimate prize. And then there's about three or four pretty damn good consolation ones that might be top of the lineup all-stars for you for 10 years, right? Like that, that, that's what bothers me. I, I I get upset when teams either don't have a cohesive plan or they don't stick to it. And I feel like that's where the jets are at right now. Right. Like, I mean, you can look at a number of different teams out there and you can say, you know, rightly or wrongly, this is their plan. This is what they're trying to achieve. And are they going out there and doing that? I think the successful teams, the ones that are separating themselves from the pack, have that in mind. I think right now the Winnipeg Jets once again find themselves in the mushy middle here where we don't necessarily want to go all in, but we also don't want to rebuild. Because maybe people won't come to the games, or we might not be able to retain talent long. Like it's it's just, but like, pick a direction and go for it. To me, the Jets going into this season was we believe in the core; they can make a playoff run. Well, if you thought that, you should have went out there and got at the very least a top pair defenseman to go behind Josh Morrissey, and with the healthy Pierre Luc Dubois back in the lineup, I think this team would have looked miles different, miles better than they did here at Edmonton on Friday night. But I, I, I just, to me, it's the, uh, just a massive, massive opportunity miss. It might be the biggest opportunity miss that the Jets have have since they've come back to Winnipeg here. I, I, don't, I don't think they're up there with the upper echelon teams in the NHL, but I think they could have put themselves just a slight level below that. And then once you get into the postseason in a bad Western conference, I this might be the one year where you could legitimately say, hey, anything could happen. If we get in there and we give ourselves a chance, I just don't think the Winnipeg Jets
0: went out there and gave themselves a chance this week. And even like look at a team like Minnesota, what they did these past couple days—it wasn't, it's not anything earth-shattering. It wasn't like they went out and got the big names, but they added nice quality depth pieces, and not even depth, like guys who were going to fit into their top nine, guys who were going to fit into their top four. Like any hey, the guy like John Klingberg for peanuts, they got like they didn't give up anything for him, like literally nothing. Yeah, they they weaponized their cap space. The Winnipeg yeah. Jets at no point this season weaponized
1: their cap space.
0: And and you made the move to move Brian Little's contract to Arizona for that reason. And that's what I don't understand. You have this foresight where going into the season, you, like you said, you're going to use this cap space, and the season goes on, the season goes on, and it never gets utilized. Like, it's just... I, and we and we go back to the, the to the presser too with Chevy, and just talking about this fantasy hockey thing. And you yeah, look at
1: here. Let, let, let me jump in quickly. And t- I, I just wanted to get to this here because you mentioned it earlier, and I, I I honestly don't know how many people picked up on this. I don't know how many people watched or listened to it, or I don't know how many people like picked up on what was said there. But I I was pretty hot after the Jets didn't you know came out that they weren't going to make any big moves. But after the press conference, I, I was downright furious. Yeah, the the level of condescension and smugness coming from Kevin Chevalier, I've, I've, I've never seen that before. And to talk down to your fan base like they're a bunch of idiots, you're better than that. I'm, I'm sorry I, I, like I that that pisses me off to no end. And to throw out false equivalencies, And things nobody was saying either. Nobody was saying go crazy and and give up everything for rentals just to go at it this year and screw the cap and screw everything. No one was saying that. It was go out there and make a reasonable gamble on somebody when you set your team up to go and do something this season potentially. And, And then he comes out there and speaks down to a fan base. Like you said, Tyson, a fan base that has done more than their fair share in terms of sticking with this management group and this core group of players and shelling out hundreds and thousands of dollars night in, night out, year after year after year through a pandemic, through inflation, through recessions. This fan base has been more than deserving of you know throwing them a bone or two. But to step up to the podium after you didn't walk the walk, after you talked the talk, that to me was it, it, it was it was disgusting. I, I I could I could not believe. He went out there and said that specific paragraph there to a Jets fan base that damn well knows their hockey and knows when they're being spoken down to like that. And I am very, very interested to see what the fan reaction might be like, I guess tomorrow night, if this game goes in a similar fashion as to the one that happened on Friday night. And this team drops
0: six in a row. And what is it, eight of their last nine, nine of their last ten. Yeah, and, and I just find it bogus, too. Like, you're talking about how it's way harder to make deals in the NHL than people think. Meanwhile, guys who you're interested in, like Luke Shen, and I wasn't even the biggest proponent of adding a guy like Luke Shen. I think he would be a decent ad. I don't didn't think he'd be a world breaker. He goes for a third-round pick. Like, what's so hard? About, like, I, that's what I don't understand. Is yeah, that no, name.
1: no, you, you can't, like, and, and this is another thing, too, and, and, and we'll – try to move past and and go into the game against Edmonton and then maybe look around the rest of the NHL. But this, this organization has just for so, so long leaned on the excuse train. There's always an excuse for everything with the Winnipeg Jets. It was like this with Paul Maurice, who would talk about the schedule and the injuries as if no other team in the NHL has to deal with a tough schedule and injuries. And now we're seeing it again with this, it's difficult to trade in the NHL and it's a hard cap world. Yet the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have been up against the cap pretty much by the penny, have gone out there and find a way to bring in six freaking different people and acquire a first-round pick while being buyers. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who have, I don't know, haven't been cap-compliant for a decade, went out there and found a way to overpay, but to go out there and acquire a guy and not be afraid to do so as well. The New York Rangers. Essentially, just said, ah, screw it. We'll get Patty Kane too because he wants to come here. There are so many teams in the NHL who had to jump through hoops to, to bring guys in and to make their teams better, and they went out there and did that. So this excuse thing, I, I I I get. No trades and no movements are difficult here in Winnipeg, but we weren't saying go after those guys. I just the 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 excuse thing of trades are difficult in the NHL. I just don't want to hear it anymore. No excuses. You're the GM.
0: Go out and get it done, and if you can't get it done, bring somebody in here who can Yeah, that's spot on. And I just want to add, too, like with I, – I I, think that this asset management over the past couple of years has really hurt them, too, in the trade department. Like you had a guy coming into the season like Billy Hanola who was probably one of your top trade chips, and you just yo-yo him, you yo-yo him, you show no confidence in him. If the team that drafted him in the first round can't show confidence in a player – why should any of the other 31 GMs in the league show confidence in that guy and give up actual assets for him? They're not going. To, they're not going to do it. They're going to wonder why. Why are you not playing this guy? What do you see that we don't? And it's just, I don't know. Like to me, it's, it's I, I, it just infuriates me. Really, like to just see how kind of like that 2017 playoff run to the Western Conference Finals just seems so far away. It doesn't even seem like it seems like a lifetime ago. And I don't think that they're anywhere close to being near that level right now. And I think that you could have, if you made just a couple of decent moves, you could have at least been on par with that team or at least a little bit below it. But instead, right now, you're just a middling team with who's honestly not, like if Calgary can get their stuff together, they're in trouble. Like, and what do you do to? combat this free fall right now like i don't i don't know what the solution is at this point and you got to think that the players are kind of like and we'll talk about the game but watching some guys like josh morrissey mark shifley and we and mark shifley's really been struggling the last couple of games but just you can tell these guys are frustrated with what's going on right now it's not just like this is just oh well i we didn't add we still got our we still got our core group we're going to be fine no that's I don't think that's what's going on in that locker room right now. I think there's a lot of, a lot of questions from the players. And I think that things are, hopefully they get better before they get worse. But right now it doesn't look like that.
1: Yeah, I can, I can understand being a little bit upset with, with what's going on here and, and maybe promises that were or weren't made to the team. I mean, yeah, they could thank Calgary for being awful (laughs) or else we'd be in total, Total meltdown mode right now here in Winnipeg. But even then, I mean, five points up, 20 games to go. I imagine the Winnipeg Jets get this thing semi-turned around to the point that they're, you know, comfortably in a wild-card spot in a couple weeks' time. It's just unfortunate that we're not talking about making a push to the top of the division with a couple of big ads. Instead, we're talking about let's try to tread water, get to the postseason, and see what happens when this team gets a few days off. It, 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 Yeah, it's it's... Look, Jets fans, I, I get it. I, I totally get the frustration. And it just it, it felt like this this was the time. Like this was the time, even with as bad as they've been playing lately. Like this is this would be the it. opportunity to go in here and make a big time splash and then make this make this market fun again. Like make make watching games at the rink an event like it had been in the past. And you go ahead and do that, and hey, maybe maybe a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois – sees a couple of rounds in, in Winnipeg with the whiteout. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe this might not be a bad place to to say, you know what I mean? Like just different, different little things like that, but it doesn't look like we're going to get that opportunity for a uh, deep, deep playoff run. Um, there, there's,
0: there's no crowd in the NHL that can get as bumping as the jets can. And we like the first couple of years was absolutely outrageous. And, and the players knew it. Every single player said it. And I was just going to say, like, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think let's they make the playoffs, right? what kind of excitement level is there even? I know that there's, I know the whiteout party will be crazy because it always is. And it's a really, it's a, that's one of the fun things that they do. Right. Right. Like it's the fun environment. It's a lot of fun to go to, but like really like how many people are just going there for the party? It's not really for the excitement of the team. Right. Like that's what, that's where, and then if we go into the season after this and the interest starts to wane a little bit more and a little bit more, it's just, and I mean, maybe that's what it'll take to make changes, but it shouldn't get to this point.
1: Well, I'll answer that question, and we'll talk about some other moves around the rest of the deadline and the game against the Oilers in just a sec. But we do got to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where new customers... Can earn a risk free bet of up to $1,000 in any of the major sports going around right now. That's right. You make your first bet up to 1K. And even if it doesn't win, you still get another shot to cash in. It's basically free money. So, I mean, you'd be foolish not to take advantage of it. You can throw down on all of the major action for baseball coming up soon, golf mma basketball and more plus with same game parlay spreads money lines your betting options feel absolutely endless maybe you don't want to touch jets oilers 2.0 uh Saturday evening I can understand maybe shying away from doing that but how about Buffalo taking care of business in an afternoon game against the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow as the Sabres make their playoff push my bandwagon team is the Buffalo Sabres I want to see them go in and make some noise in the playoffs take down the big bad Bruins why not throw a couple of bucks on that and see if we can get the mood straightened out ahead of the weekend getting started here Uh, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. I mean, I, I think we see the same amount of, to answer your question, I think we see at the start the same amount of excitement over a jet playoff game. I, I don't know how long that lasts. And I don't think it, it's as passionate and as fervent as it's been in the past. But I, I kind of get what you're getting at there, Tyson, in the sense that it it, it wouldn't, even if the jets say finish in one of the wildcard spots, face Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, the place will be bumping, but it, it won't be the same, right? It, it just, it, it won't be the same. And especially if they, you know, down two one in the series for Game Four, <laughs> to just to 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 me, the excitement level around the entire province has just dissipated to a major degree. Because I mean, fans, despite what their GM thinks, these fans do know hockey, and I think this this group realizes that this team, I think, is a playoff team. Are they one that's capable of making noise come playoff time against the upper echelons? I I, I don't think so with the group that they have right now. I think they could have they went out there and made some moves, but not with this group right here right now. And um I mean that that doesn't even take into account the potential sly that might continue here in the last 20 or so games. So yeah, again, it's just it, it's been a big bummer. This whole deadline day has been a big bummer. Um Jets fans, Flyers yes, fans, man. dear god, help us all. A few, a few a few franchises out there have had a pretty rough one. Um but I, I would I would go out there and say that no team missed a big enough opportunity as the Winnipeg Jets did. I think that's how I would define this deadline for them. That it, you know, and it's it's pretty wild too, Tyson, because the trades they did make, I think they actually made good trades. Like to get Nino for a second is great work. Nemesnikov for a fourth is is nice and tidy. But it I, I can't even give them a grade more than a C. And even a C feels a bit heavy for me just because of the potential opportunity that was out there for the club. So, yeah, big-time opportunity missed, in my opinion. And now that the deadline has come and gone, Tyson, and we've seen some of the moves that some of the other clubs have made throughout the conference here, how would you stack up the West as it stands right now? Because to me, to me, there's two teams... I would add, I would say 3 teams that stand above the rest. The the two for me for sure are Colorado and Edmonton. And you can see what a couple of good moves can do to a team with the Edmonton Oilers and how they like they look real good. They look pretty scary right now. To me Edmonton and Colorado are the class of the west with Vegas maybe just a tad behind those uh those two clubs.
0: That barbershop is
1: going to be big.
0: Sorry, that go bar- ahead. That Barbashev pickup's going to be big for Vegas. He's already contributing. And that's a guy that I think the Jets could have maybe circled too. Like, if imagine adding Nita Ryder and Barbashev instead. That's... That would have been nice. That would have been
1: nice. And you could have had Jonathan Quick. Imagine that. Quick and hell of a... Ah, maybe not Jonathan Quick. Um, But, I, yeah, like for me, those three teams... Kind of stand above the rest. I would put Dallas ahead of Winnipeg. I think you have to put Minnesota ahead of Winnipeg now at this point. I mean, Minnie's four points up on the Jets, even on games played. So at that point, you've got the Jets, you know, best-case scenario, seventh in the conference. I think with the moves LA made, you put them ahead of the Jets, and then at that point, it's either Winnipeg or Seattle as the eighth-best
0: team of the West right now. Seventh or eighth-best team of the West. Like, am I am I wrong in that? No, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. And even like the the Kings showed on Tuesday, I think that was a better game from the Jets that they played. But the Kings kind of just showed that they're the better team. They just out that when it mattered most, the Kings buckled up and they took the W away from the Jets in Winnipeg after blowing a couple multiple goal leads at two like they were up two goals, I think, three separate times in that game, and it was just like we saw. Even into this past game, just lackadaisical coverage, and that's where I think adding a solid D man, like a even a, like like I said, I wasn't the biggest proponent on Luke Shen, but adding a guy like Luke Shen these past couple of games, you've noticed that the Jets' net front coverage has just been pathetic. And it's Anje Kopitar got two deflections untouched. One yeah. his one timer was at the side of the net untouched. We watched this game and there's guys flopping in front of the net trying to block goals and empty nets like. It's just you're 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 watching that unravel at the seams here and it and we're just we're just kind of sitting and watching all these other teams slowly pass the Jets in the standings throughout the season. And these other teams like we look at a te- like the teams like LA, they added Gavrikov for a first. Corpusalo's in that trade too. And if Corposalo's play plays for LA like he has been for Columbus these past couple weeks, that's gonna be a money trade. Edmonton goes out and grabs Atcom, who would have been a terrific addition to this Jets decor. I mean, it, maybe it makes it a little bit harder that Nashville's in their division. But, you know, like that's your job as GM. Like, I think Atcom would have been the perfect defenseman for this top, top four. He would have complimented this group so much, a wily veteran. He's been in every situation. He knows what it's like to play as kind of like that number one guy on the second pair. And I just think it would have helped so much. And we're seeing what happens with Edmonton. Like one of their biggest problems was deep was their defense and coming out of the zone and getting the puck to McDavid. And then since the Ekholm trade, it's like, it's just a trickle down effect. Everyone moves down a notch and everyone's kind of starts to settle into a lesser role a little bit and it makes things a little bit easier. But now you don't have have that luxury. You have to hope you have to stick with that patient approach and hope that these guys who are struggling right now, turn the leaf and really start to push the pace forward. And like you said, you're just, you're banking on patience again, and it's just a, a ticking time bomb. One more note we should mention about the deadline before
1: fully shifting over to the Euler game. Um, Logan Stanley, per his agent, per reports, requested a trade out of Winnipeg. Chevy would neither confirm nor deny that, which essentially means he confirmed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I, yeah, I, I have some thoughts on this. I mean, the prevailing thought from a lot of Jets fans was essentially one of how dare you (laughs) like, like there are a few prospects that have been given as much rope and as much patience as Logan Stanley has. And then to reward the team with a trade request uh, a few days before the deadline, while the team is making a playoff push, I can understand why some people are uh, bothered and have been feeling a little bit rankled by that move by him and his team. But on the other hand, I also understand a player wanting to look out for himself and try to make some money. If he's not going to get playing time, hey, I got to look out for me at some point too because I have a finite time to go out there and earn some money. So I I I, I understand both sides here. But I don't also, even.
0: Also, but what were the Jets supposed to do with Stanley this year? He had, he had two major injuries that made that sidelined him for long periods of time. Like he's been given more than enough games to get into. I don't understand what this, unless it's. Not related to playing time. that's like one of the that's the only other thing I could think of because if you're if you're really upset with your playing time, like I'm sorry, but you need there needs to be a long look in the mirror just because you have not performed as one of the team's even top seven defensemen this year
1: No, yeah, no i I, I think it is playing time, but I think it's a realization that he's not gonna crack the top six so if I'm not gonna crack the top six just send me somewhere where I, I will like that that to me was the. The basis of the of the request here it wasn't like you know i i'm worthy of being in the top six it's probably more like hey if you want to send me to maybe not arizona but like an anaheim or something like that right like send me somewhere where i can play 15 minutes a night like i to me that's what i think it was um i i don't it's tough to blame chevy for not pulling the trigger on the trade because we don't we don't know what teams were offering i mean I made the point that if a second-round pick was being thrown about, that you would pack his bags and send him to the airport immediately. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't imagine that was the case. Like I feel like the Jets would have jumped all over that, but I don't know. I I, I don't know what other teams were looking for out there. So I imagine this is the uh, the final stretch of games. We'll see Logan Stanley wear a Winnipeg Jets jersey. Because at the very least, you don't want to see another Jonathan Kovačević situation where you know what he ends up walking out the door, waivers or whatever it is, and you get absolutely nothing for him. And then the player plays pretty well wherever he goes after that, right? So this is going to be um, this is going to be the end of Logan Stanley's stint here in Winnipeg. It'll be intriguing to see what his value is around the NHL when and if he eventually does get moved. Um, But that's about it for our deadline talk. We only got 36 minutes out of it, so sorry that we had to cut it a little bit short there as we get close to midnight here. Um, But let us know your thoughts on on anything we said. Should the Jets have gone in? Should they have maybe eased back a little bit? Has their play proven the GM right and not going all in? Uh, Let us know your thoughts at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Tyson Rewiki on Twitter. Now the game against Edmonton. That sucked too. (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that was I mean uh, man I I, like I I don't think anybody played good I thought Morrissey DeMello as a pairing had maybe their worst game of the season yeah but Josh Morrissey has literally carried this team all season long so yeah I think I'll give him the benefit (laughs) of the doubt to have a bit of a rough night but man they just I thought they took some baby steps against the Kings, in all honesty, despite losing 6-5 and blowing all those leads. I thought their game at least looked solid against LA. It took a massive step back against Edmonton, where right off the get-go, dumb, lazy, cheap penalty, quick power play goal, and then Edmonton just didn't let off the gas the rest of the game. And they skated circles around the Jets. Winnipeg had no answer, and no PLD, helps I I, know PLD is is certainly not a help to the Winnipeg Jets right now but if he was in the lineup maybe it maybe it was 4-1 instead of 6-1 in the third period right the the Jets just didn't come out ready to play and you saw the the gap in talent between the two teams in this one after the deadline Tice once he went out there and made additions looked energized one team didn't looked a little bit dejected And the slide continues, and boy, oh boy, it sets up for a juicy matchup in the rematch Saturday night in Winnipeg. Let's hope the Jets get their asses ready to go for this one. You play like that again, you're going to be getting booed and jerseys thrown and waffles thrown, Jets dogs thrown, whatever
0: it is. It's going to be an angry group on Saturday night if they don't turn this one around quick. Yeah, no, and – like you said, with the with the Jets fans being ha- angry about it, if there's another kind of result as list game, no one say whatever you do, don't throw stuff. Like that's that's the one thing no one likes. Like don't throw anything. But Whoa, no, okay, wait, hold on now, hold
1: hold on, <laughs> hold on here. I don't want to. I don't want to spend 15 minutes on this, but just hold your horses. Now, don't throw don't throw food. I don't like wasting food. I would agree with you there. And don't throw anything that would potentially hurt someone. Yes, yes. Now, while I would never do this, there's very few ways for a fan or a fan base to have their voice heard by the higher-ups, specifically in in pro sports. If you're not happy and you throw your jersey out there, that gets the message across more than anything. That's the only thing that only acceptable
0: that's the only acceptable one all right that's cool and your frustrations are very valid like that's the other thing that I wanted to get out there I wanted to say that a little earlier but whatever like this is uh, people in Winnipeg are in tuned they know what's going on with their hockey team and your concerns are very valid and do not let whatever noise comes out that we don't know or that the fan base doesn't know what, what they're talking about you do so that's just something I wanted to touch on a little bit there but we just see this game against the Oilers and like you said the LA game I feel like that loss was more so on mental lapses as it wasn't they had a a decent pace of play throughout the whole game they controlled the play decently it was just a couple of minor assignments missed, a couple broken plays what and whatnot. This game, it was just a lack. The, the Oilers just took it to them. And the fact that there was shifts where Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are just standing there and no one's going at them. Like, Leon's Leon's uh, second goal. I mean, one of the most insane shots I've ever seen in my life. Holy crap. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get that out. That was one of the most ridiculous... Like, that, that hole was the size of a puck. Yeah. That that was the only, like, the puck could fit in there, and he just absolutely ripped it. But he's just standing there. They let him put the net back on. Like, he put the net back on and then peeled out and then got the puck and just stood there for, like, two seconds, and they let him pick his corner, and he just ripped it. Like, it's just... And then the fourth goal, too, where it was just breakdown and guys puck watching and then guys not looking at, at the guy that they're supposed to be following or covering and just lazy plays, lackadaisical mental lapses. And the Oilers are just pouncing on them. And what happened? Like we, we've been saying this for so many games now. And I just, I've s- still at a loss for words every time we bring this up on a solution. Cause I don't know what the solution is. Now you can't make moves to supplement this roster. like How do you make this group? Flip a switch at this point. I don't I don't know if he can. We'll find out. We'll find out soon. I mean,
1: the biggest problem and and the problem this team has had all season long, which is why I was banging the door for a chicken or any anybody else to come in on the blue line here is they can't break out of their own zone. Like they, they Anytime they lose, that's the main issue with this team and why they can head inside their own zone for so long is they they struggle and they turn the puck over. Then you get easy goals against, and that's what Edmonton did in this one. It's why the Jets failed to generate offense for the majority of the game until it was you know essentially all out of reach, and they get a couple of you know late cheapies to make it look a little more respectable than it actually was. But that that to me is the the main issue here. Now, can you solve it with the personnel you have? That, that's a different task. But they've just, I mean, they've got to be sharper. They've got to give themselves a chance in some of these games, right? Like, I mean, I, again, Morrissey DeMello has been great all year long, specifically Morrissey. But, I mean, you have DeMello literally passing the puck to Nugent Hopkins. You have a two-on-one. I mean, I'm I'm fine with the passes on two-on-ones. Nikolai Ehlers has to understand the defenseman's playing pass and there's a back checker right there. There's no pass there. There's no, no pass there. And it's an easy turnover, a great back check by Nugent Hopkins, but an easy turnover, pass back the other way. The Jets aren't ready once again, and you immediately get a breakaway out of a two-on-one, and that iced the game right there, let alone the first couple of goals on the night. I, like there, There's just – there's there's these elementary breakdowns that are happening now that weren't happening in the first half of the season. That, that's that got to be step one, and then figuring out how to break out of your own zone cleanly. That that yep. That's got to be – like, you can't – you can't try and get this team playing 800 hockey right now. It's just, let's get these areas fixed, and then we'll take it from there and see if we can get this thing going again sometime soon. Uh, I uh, imagine you that Connor Hellebuck gets the start in this one Saturday night. I, I think, you know, even if he didn't get the third period off, he was going to get the start against the Oilers here, but I can't imagine, I just I can't imagine with this season, what feels like the season on the line here that you even though it's a
0: back-to-back, that you go to David Ridge between the pipes. Yeah, and just the transition defense, too, in this game. Like, there was so many times where you're getting caught. The Jets were getting caught with the Oilers coming up the rush, odd man rush after odd man rush after odd man rush. And that's just – that boils down to a, a lack of awareness and just self-discipline, too. And we talked about the transition game, too, with the defense exiting the zone. The defense – has their problems, but I'm I'm gonna put a little bit of the blame too on the forwards, because there's times where they're exiting the zone and the forwards are nowhere in a position to receive a pass. They're at the red line. They're cherry picking. Yeah. They're shooting the zone, right? Yeah, and and yes, you would you like your D to get the puck out? Of course, but when he has no one to pass it to and his options are limited, what do you expect him to do half the time? You're forcing your D men and. Morrissey has stepped up to the plate this year, but a lot of the guys in the back end have just struggled with getting the puck out and you're not helping their confidence when you're constantly flying the zone and you're giving them no options to get the puck out. And you're pretty much just leaving them on an Island. So I, I think that there's multiple layers to this, to these problems for the jets that need ironing out. And does that, and I was I was wondering this too with Rick bonus, what's going to happen like I I would assume that they're not going to fire him after one year, but is he going to just stick around for one more year and then that's it because he's only got a two year contract, right? Like, what's how, and then that just adds on to what is this team's plan? What are we going to do moving forward? You have a coach that's almost at this point it's getting close to one foot out the door, and then he's only got one more year after this. Like, what? I don't know what this plan is and. Has Scott O'Neill even proved that he can take over this team? I, I don't know. I
1: don't know, Tyson. I, I I can't even put coaching on my list of worries right now. <laughs> there's so much There's <laughs> so much that's ahead of it on that list that it's like...
0: And, and I, I'm not blaming... Yeah, I don't I'm have bl- an answer for you. I'm not blaming Bones either. Like, I don't think this is his fault. I think he's made some questionable, deci- questionable deci- decisions, sorry. But I do agree with you that there's more problems to this team, but it's just something to think about too. I just think there's so many layers to this Jets team right now where there's question marks and it just goes, boils down to what is our plan going forward? And right now they're just a team without a plan.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, you know, we try to end these episodes off on a positive note and it might be difficult at a time like this to do so. But speaking from our experience here, at least you're not Flyers fans, Jets fans. If that's the one shred of positivity I could give you, there's 50 feet of crap, and then well below that are the Philadelphia Flyers and the Arizona Money Launderers. How do you not sell your only pendant UFA as a selling team at the? I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to get this worked up this late. You, yeah. Just be happy you're not a Flyers fan. That, that, that's it's, all I'll say. That's that's the only positivity I can give Jets fans right
0: now heading into the weekend. Yeah, it's malpractice what's going on in Philly right now. It really is. It, and it's that is what happens when an ownership group is so out of touch with their fan base and they just have the wrong guys in power and management to make the decisions. And they just, it's just they, nothing they do is right. And if you want to, if you want to get a good laugh, I think sometime in the afternoon tomorrow, the Flyers are holding their town hall meeting, their season ticket town hall meeting. And I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is going to be there or not, but if he is, it's going to be a bloodbath. And I think that might just be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back in Philly. If you think Santa got it bad
1: in Philly, just just you wait. Hide the batteries, everybody. Town Hall. Ding, ding. Oh, I hate my sports life right now. (laughs) All right. Well, then we'll cap off the episode there. We'll uh, head into the weekend, try to turn things around, and hopefully the Winnipeg Jets turn things around Saturday night against the Edmonton Oilers as T-20 games to go until the playoffs get underway here. We'll break that one down as well as a matchup against the San Jose Sharks on Monday for you guys when we get back at it. Until then, though, thank you for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJ OB's Tyson Rowicki stopping by once again. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. The weather's looking good. Get outside, have some fun, stay safe, and enjoy yourselves these next couple of days. Winnipeggers and Manitobans until Tuesday morning. Peace.